nice, calming advert for an app called Calm that you were to put on before you fell asleep and it would relax you and settle you so you could fall asleep. And then the very next advert was Get Up and Go. We've got a breakfast uh, product ready for you. Get up and go. Made by Wheaton. I had to actually pause the video before I even started on YouTube because I suddenly felt this moment where I realized, wow, what is the world trying to tell me? They're trying to tell me to relax, to not be stressed. But at the same time, whatever moment that you have spare, You've got to use it to be productive. You've got to be investing in yourself, investing in your job, investing in your relationships. Not even taking the time to, but to get up and go. And that didn't sit right with me. Because I know that the Lord promised me freedom. And the Lord fulfills his promises. It's a happy with my little moment. I could continue with my video set in the idea that God has promised us freedom. And that's what he's going to bring. Before I go any further, it is my first time, so I am a little bit nervous. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people who come before me, for those who come not to hear my voice, but yours. I thank you that we are able to come together in safety and boldly, walking down the street, that we can cry out your name in praise and say, yes, we are coming to your church and we're going to hold your name up high as king above all kings. I beg you to take my voice out of this thing to you so that you may speak your word and your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Because how important is that? That we can actually come together in safety, yeah. confident yes. to worship the Lord's name. Amen. Guys, if this is your first time, even your second or even your third, you are so welcome. You are VIPs, and we just want to spoil you. If you want to see any of the usher, maybe for a, a note or a moment to say, I'm first time, I'm quite new. If you've got a time to spare with us at cafe, we'd like to spoil you, we'd like to give you a treat, we'd like to give you a drink on the house, because it's God's house. And he wants to spoil everybody who comes to him. We've come a long way in this series, from stress to freedom. I mean, we've had some great speakers, and I encourage you to listen to the Lord into your circumstance, to whatever you are listening to now. You might be able to hear this message and know that the Lord is with you in this moment. I encourage you to go back over the podcast of this series. We've had Barry, who's described how we move, how there are both good and bad stresses. There are those that we need to put away, but there are those that help us drive forwards. I know that a good friend of mine's sister still gets nervous before he goes out to a rugby game. But that's part of the good stress that allows him to his name. I know that we've had Io, who brought us the question of, do we remember who God is? Even when he does a miracle for us, do we still remember that that's who God is? That he does the impossible? That he can make miracles happen? And that we can stay strong in our faith and our trust in him because he can do the impossible? We've had Rachel preaching to us, was able to remind us, do we know who we are? That we're children of God, the Almighty? 
that his Holy Spirit is in us, that we are warriors, we are conquerors, we're no longer slaves to fear because we are the children of God. And we go forward boldly with that. We've got Tony, who's reminded us to look back, look at what God has done for you. Not just the blessings that he's uh, gifted you with, but the trials that he's helped you through. The trials that he has set you with and then helped you to knock down. Then we've had Vicky with her dear hula hoop. (laughs) Reminding us to keep our focus on Jesus, the Prince of Peace, so that we can surround surround ourselves in his love. And remind that hula hoop off. And we step out on our own. So we know from this series that we need to keep our focus on Jesus. But even though you can have that moment of revelation, you can have that almost lightning bolt moment when you just get it, you can't necessarily explain it. That is a moment that happens. You might respond to that moment. But it's still a journey after that there's still a process that you've got to go to and go through. And so, to demonstrate that process, I'd like to call up my good friend Io. (laughs) Come on, Io. (laughs) And could I also have an usher, please, as... So for those of you listening on the podcast as well, Barry and Vicky came to me and offered me the chance to preach and also said demonstrations or any kind of metaphor is quite good to show something you can't necessarily express. So, me being a boy, I decided I wanted to throw some tennis balls around on stage. (laughs) So Io, gorgeous guy that he is. (laughs) Io is life. He can be kind, he can be welcoming, he can have a gorgeous smile. But at times, he's going to throw you things. He's going to throw you the stresses of life. School or exams, that's the stress. I've gone through school, I've gone through exams. I've gone through exams that I thought, I've got this, and still ended up failing. So I try to revise, I try to prepare, so I hold on to that one. It might throw sickness. If anybody wants to speak to me about the year 2013, I got sick. I spent a very long 48 hours waiting next to the phone to hear whether I was going to lose him. Held that with me. Social media. Ooh. <laughs> now, I'm a little bit older. I'm 27, so this is nearly passing me by. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, as a teacher, how many people walk around more computing power than what solved the Enigma code in World War II? And how many apps do we now have just blinking at us 24-7 to say, this is what my life looks like? 
What's yours look like? This is what I'm doing. This is what this person said. This is what that person said. Constantly going off in your pocket. No wonder we need an app to try and help us sleep. Mortgage, rent, food, food. I like to eat. I've got to, I've got to budget quite a fair amount of food just to be able to eat. Do you ever have enough? How much is enough? Questions that you always walk around with. Oh, hands getting full. There's still more. I'm going to drop my job. There was a panic when I didn't know whether I'd actually be able to get one. I've passed through about five, but I still try and carry that with me and more. If there's any more, I might. I haven't done this since I was about five and I was collecting conkers. <laughs> marriage. I think marriage is quite a happy stress. I am married. Love-hate relationship. <laughs> Even when I was seven years old, I said to my parents, my ambition is I wanted to be a good father and I wanted to be a good husband. They looked at me and went, what? That small? Like, don't you want to like, see the world? Don't you want to, I don't know, see space? I said, no. I want to be a good father and a good husband. So I carried that with me. Retirement, I wish. <laughs> but some people might be approaching retirement. Suddenly, something... <laughs> There's a lot of people wondering as to whether that is actually a scary thing in the audience. But after the honeymoon period, something that you've done for the vast majority of your life, some come away having done the same job for 40 years. What happens when that stops? All those relationships that you'd built up maybe at work, yeah. where have they gone? Maybe people have moved. Retirement can still... <laughs> For those of you on the podcast, I'm actually tucking all these tennis balls into my t-shirt and it's making me look very, very heavy. <clears throat> Children. I haven't got any yet. <laughs> I'm saved with that stress. But you do. Even just as a teacher, I worry about my children. I worry about the pupils that walk into my class, some of whom come in crying. I've got to take a moment and I listen to their stories. I listen to what's going on at home. I listen to what they're going through with their, peer, with their peers and their friendship groups. Loneliness. How many are lonely in this country? Now we're showing in the BBC News that it's one of the biggest problems that we face with our generation that came before. How heartbreaking is that, that they can't even feel that they can actually walk down to the corner shop to pick up a newspaper and a bit of milk? Maybe that cashier, who might be twiddling away on their social media, that might be the only person they see in that day. Yeah. I've got a lot of stress carrying around with me. It feels heavy. I've actually got to use two hands just to hold my T-shirt to support all the tennis balls. But I've got nowhere to put it. I haven't got a spare hand to reach out and take anything new. Instead, I'm just walking around. But that's when God can come in. Can I have the top, top please? Oh, the relief. <laughs> it's at this point, we maybe enter into a second stage. We've carried this stress around for so long. 
but then somebody introduces us to a person called Jesus. And they say to us, focus on him and he'll be able to see you through, through all the stresses, through all the stresses of life. That's maybe when you get a slightly bigger ball. The ball I'm currently holding is a Pilates ball used for exercise, which I don't do. (laughs) It's small, a bit smaller than a basketball. I can hold it with one hand to show some of the faith I've begun pouring into God. I might be able to use it to deal with some of the stresses. So often, if something particular comes along, finance, or it's difficult to hand over your finances to God. I mean, I've got, that's got to feed me. That's got to water me. That's got to shelter me and clothe me. I, I, I don't necessarily want to hand that over to God yet. But some others can go. But then there might be something else as well. Job. How can God help me with job? I mean, I'm the one who has to sit through the inter- I'm the one who's doing the work. I mean, that's the one that provides my finance. So I've, I've got to make sure that I've got control of that. I've, yeah, I, won't, I won't hand that over yet. Suddenly it becomes hard. I can't hold everything at once. <coughs> sleep. I might start losing sleep. Suddenly I'm trying to... I've got half of a faith in one hand and I'm still carrying stress around with the other. But with trust and with faith, my faith might grow. My God. This is when I'm beginning to be all in. Faith. The ball's gotten bigger. It takes two hands to support. It requires all of my focus to make sure that I don't drop this. I can't possibly hold this in one hand. But with bigger faith, I can protect myself from even more stress of life. And suddenly, I don't have to worry. Because I can protect myself completely, focusing with Jesus in front of me. But I'm still holding him out. I'm still working to try and put all my faith in him. I haven't quite made the last step. In doing so, life doesn't stop. Life might even take advantage of this moment and maybe hit my blind side. For those of you who haven't seen it, I just managed to throw a tennis ball at the back of my head. This is when we enter our fourth stage. I really wanted to have a Zorb here. There are some initial giggles from those who know what a Zorb is. For those of you who don't, it is a massive ball that you can actually get yourself into and then you can either play about on a paddling pool of water, which is where you sometimes find them in like a fairground or something, or you can just take it and roll down a hill, happy within a small ball within a bigger inflatable ball. I'm a bit too big to fit into the yoga ball, which is why I wanted the Zorb. But that's our hidden stage four. Similar to our Vicky's hula hoop, is when you're able to get yourself entirely inside of Jesus. Instead of thinking that you're putting your faith into him and developing this, this shape, this figure, instead you just dive right in. 
And in that moment, you receive his entire protection. You have no blind side. The enemy cannot get to you because you're safe with the Prince of Peace. But why do we have to go on this journey? When we get saved, that we describe, why do we have to go on this entire process? Why can't God just make it so I believe in him? Why do I have to go through trials, suffering, wasteland? What do I have to prove? To this point, I'd like to turn to Scripture. It's Revelations, chapter 3, verses 14 through to 22. It's a bit of a long one, but it's one that I've held in my heart ever since I got saved. The reason I've held it for so long is because this was the first piece of scripture that I realized made the Bible a living word. That you don't just read it once, but it evolves a piece of scripture. It will say something new to you. It will show you something different that you weren't necessarily ready for first. Before we dive into it, I just want to set the scene for you. Revelations can be quite a tricky one. In fact, I learned something very new when I was first readying and reading for this preach. Revelations was written at a time when many Christians were actually suffering persecution again and prejudice. Increasing emperor worship. Hail Caesar as being godlike. That it was their dictator. That it was the Roman rule that was worthy of worship. Which is a bit of a problem with Christianity, because of course we worship the living God. We will shout and we will stamp and we will praise his name above all names. Even in the face of a Roman who's staring you down uh, saying, if you don't shut up and worship Caesar. So it's a dangerous time. A lot of churches, especially if they're young, start to adopt maybe a policy of compromise. They start saying maybe we should change what we do slightly so that we can survive. But that's straying from the word of God. It's taking your focus off of God and look of your skin and your bone. When God protects the spirit that's inside of it. So in Revelations, a series of letters and warnings were sent to seven churches, but with particular aim and reference to target the churches that were having this compromise, that were beginning to steer away from having a focus on Jesus. The aim of these letters wasn't to damn or to condemn or to judge. In fact, the author, the faithful, to resist the temptation of compromise. He calls for believers to be steadfast in their faith against all that the enemy has to throw at you because we are protected and vindicated in Christ. That's the point of Revelations. That's the point of those letters. It's not to say you've fallen by the wayside, get back. But say, be strong. Take heart. Trust in the word of God. So what I wanted to do first was I'm just going to read out the chapter, 14 through to 22. 
and then I'm going to look at it piece by piece. So it's the message to the, uh, to the church in Laodicea. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also, buy not be shamed by your nakedness, an ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indif indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. When I first heard that piece of scripture, when I was first saved, I was sat in a place called the Reardon Smith uh, Theatre in Cardiff, where I was at university. And the moment came where I felt a moment where, purely as if by magic, my left hand, he knows that I'm right hand dominant, so I will do most things with my right hand. But on this occasion, it was my left that rose and responded and declared my Jesus as my saviour. It was early days for me. I was 20 at the time. I'd come through teenage years where I was, you can look at it and see just how far away from God I really was. third preach into my recent moment of being saved by Christ. And it terrified me. The very notion of having a God who could see absolutely everything, who had a severe dislike that somebody could be lukewarm, in the middle, neither hot nor cold, that absolutely terrified me. This idea that he was going to discipline me and test me. I was really, really worried in church. I brought a new stress, which was my own faith. I thought I'd be caught out. I thought I'd be singled out. I thought Dave Thomas, who was a fantastic preacher at the time and a dear friend, I thought he would literally point me out and say, you are a wolf in sheep's clothing. You don't fully trust God. Your whole heart hasn't been surrendered to him. Get out. You're neither hot nor cold. I spent trying to keep all of that doubt and questioning at bay just to try and step through small steps, trusting in this idea that God will bring me freedom. It started out really small. At the beginning, I just attended church. Didn't use the Lord's name in vain. I used to. And then I started to serve of, we would set up in a cinema screen. So that meant that we had to drag all of the equipment, lighting, instruments, rigging, everything from the basement of the cinema up to the top floor, which is the fourth one, to attend screen 13. Set the whole thing up on the stage 
that you can see before you. Set up the whole thing on the morning, perform, and then pack it all down and put it back in the basement. So my simple job was to help unpack things from the flight, uh, from the flight cases and then put them back in, and then put them back in back. Not much of a speaking role, because all I had to do was carry. So I didn't have to interact with too many people. I could just fetch and carry, fetch and carry, fetch and carry. I thought that was a nice little bit, little offering to God. But God could see it, and in hindsight, I can look back and know that he had a lot more planned for me. Because in that moment, we would all get together, and we would pray before we even started the service. We'd pray over the equipment to hope that nothing would go wrong. And we prayed for the people who were coming to us. And during that prayer, that's when my heart got opened a little more. And I started to pray out loud. So I took another little step where I began to pray. Reference Rachel's one of, uh, one of Rachel's P's of prayer. So just these small steps began to add up. Because even scripture, drop my water bottle if you heard the bang on the podcast. He sets the scene and the first thing he says is, this is about God. He sets his heart and tone on God simply by saying, that write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea, and this is the message from the one who is the Amen, the Almighty, the King of kings and Lords of lords. This is from him. This isn't from me. This isn't from anybody else who thinks it's a good idea. This is straight from God. So listen in. He goes in to say, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. You can't hide it. He can see everything the good and the bad. He sees the little things that you do do in his name, but he sees the things that you don't do in his name as well. And it, it hurts. As a parent, when you watch your child, sure, they may load the dish. time you watch as they walk out the door to go with, uh, be with a group of friends. Maybe they don't go to school that day. Maybe they decide to just go and hit up McDonald's. As a parent, you know there are certain things that they do well, but there are certain things that they don't. As a teacher on the other end, I can see the good work that they can put in, but then I see a lot of what they don't do as well. And it hurts, because I can see the potential where they could get to. Moving into 16. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's really harsh. This idea that if you're just not set right, that God will literally vomit you back out. One trick to remember when you dig deep for this one is to understand that sometimes they're using metaphors, or they're using phrases that were very, very under, well understood at the time, but less so now. Yeah. Now, Ladosia is a town that was on a river this river had a moment where salt water from the bottom of the river could come into contact with the fresh water from the source of the river. At this moment, when you had poisonous, it's regarded as the lukewarm water, so it's poisonous. If you were to drink it or to have it in your mouth, you were told you spit it back out because it can kill you. Which is why God can't help those who aren't focused on him. Because to follow God, it's a choice. 
It's completely free will. He loves you and he calls you to him entirely by free will. It's entirely by choice that we follow him. Even as we go into 17, where he says, you say I am rich and I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This just made me think of social media. How often do we see other people's lives and think, that looks fantastic. They're doing so much better than I am. When actually they're in just as much trouble as you are. They need saving too. Their stresses and their challenges may be different. But we're all children of God. And it's only through God that we can be saved. It's only through God that we can get what we need. Even in 18 when it goes on to say, so I advise you to buy gold from me. This is all spoken from the voice of Jesus. So the gold, but it's gold that neither rust nor moths will be able to, moths will be able to touch because it's the treasure of heaven. Gold itself is untainted. It doesn't, it's almost inert. It doesn't react with other chemicals. If you leave copper out, it will turn green from brown because oxygen will react with it. But gold, no. It stays pure. Buy white garments from me that you might clothe yourself so you don't have to be worried. You bring all this nakedness that you might feel shame because you're protected by God. Jesus died for you. Jesus paid the debt on the cross. So don't worry about what you bring because Jesus has already forgiven us. And discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. This idea of trial and testing and discipline I, when I first came to God, this was really hard. I thought I got really worried. I thought he was going to take away a lot from me. But how often as a parent do we have to discipline our children to make sure they stay on the right path? To pull them back and speak a stern word to them to say, no, you don't do that because there lies danger. How often in school do you see a teacher who has to give a pupil a detention to take them out of a class of 30 children so that you can just have that one-on-one -on -one word with them to say, what are you doing? Are you focused? Is this where you want to be? I had that exact conversation. And in that moment, they were given an opportunity to open up. And then a connection was actually made. As teacher and pupil, Suddenly they understood that I wanted to get them where they wanted to be. I wasn't the obstacle. I want to move them. Because I can see the beginning. I can see from the first test that I do with them, that first sit down, let's see what you know. Just as God knows you at the beginning and you at the end, he's already done it. He's already there. But he's with you every step of the way. He was there with me at my beginning. He's here with me now, and I know, from the, I know from the visions that he's given me, of my family, of where I'm going to go. And I know that he's already sitting there waiting for me, yeah. begging me, testing me, and calling me 
to punch coming. And he does it in love. As much as we're fighting off the enemy, when we're surrounded by God's protection, it's his love. But he's still going to make sure that that love grows. As soon as you're in it, that doesn't mean you stop. You're still on a journey. You're still trying to get from stress to freedom. Because he promised it to us. And he will, even in in verses 20 to 22, he goes on to say that he will be at the door. He will knock. And if you just open to it, open yourself to him, he will come in and he will share a meal with you. Not that you will serve him. Not that you have to wipe his feet or anything else that sometimes comes up in the Bible. He wants to share the meal with you. Not as a servant, but as an equal. How many families don't even sit down to an evening meal anymore to share life, to share testimony? How many relationships are lost just by not doing something that simple? That's why in church, we love to eat. (laughs) Which is why we really recommend come to cafe and just have a bite and a drink with us. Because we do love to eat and we love to share. But he also said, he calls for anyone with ears to hear. He calls for anyone to come to him and feel his love. Anyone. Not some people. Not those who look perfect. Not those who speak well. Not those who walk confidently. Anyone. Anyone with ears to hear. So it's a process. It is long. It can be hard. But we can do it. Because our foundation's in God, who is a good, good father, who promised you freedom, and it's in his strength that we can overcome all of the obstacles, because he can do the impossible. And do you pray God over your circumstances? Do you surrender the outcome of your circumstance to God? If you're going for an exam, do you sit and say, God, I've revised, possibly, but the outcome of this is what you decide, because the result of the exam is going to take me somewhere else, and I want that place to be where you want me to be. Even whilst I was still in Cardiff, and I went back to my parents' house in who God had spoken into my life and said, this is it. This is the person you're going to be with for the rest, for the rest of your life. But she was in Bury, in Manchester, long way away. I didn't know how I was going to get to her. So in each of my jobs, the first thing I said to uh, God was, God, I call you to put me in this job for as long as you need me to be. And when you need me to go, get me out. First time I did that, but all the industry at the time, and I got let go. Sometimes God can be obvious and very direct. From that opportunity, I was able to get a job where at the interview, I turned around to the manager and said, the reason I'm joining your company, partially, is because you have an office in Runcorn, not far away from Manchester or Bury. Now, some people would think, how, like, straight away, Like, surely you're just begging for the fact that you've managed to get a job. 
But the manager instead turned around and said, fantastic. Now I know what my team's going to look like in a year's time. We'll help you get there. I managed to come up north into a place where you don't necessarily pronounce your T's. and where tea seems to be automatically drunk as opposed to water. Suddenly I was in the same place as the girl who was going to be my wife. God continues to pour out his blessings then. I was able to marry her. We were able to get a house together. So all the stresses that Rachel doesn't have, I do have. <laughs> but God still tests and tries me because he loves me but it's the small steps. Yeah. You go back, back through all of the podcasts are being said again and again. Pray, surrender the outcome, seek fellowship. Find people who are further along the path than you are. Yes. Ask them, how did you get there? Maybe you asking that will get them to suddenly look, count the blessings and see how far they have come. Yes. It's a two-way street. The fellowship isn't just for you. But so you can give as well, just as we did in the offering. And it's so good to give as well as to receive. Remember what he's done for you. And he will keep giving you more. Through small steps and knowing that it is a process and seeking fellowship with those who are just a little bit further along We'll all get them in.